As you can probably hear, I'm not Neo Rakajane. My name is Rasmus Beats, and you've heard my voice on this podcast before. Today's episode of They Kill Dulcie is a bonus episode. You don't need to hear it to follow the story, but I think you should anyway. This episode is about people from my home country of Denmark who are also involved in arming apartheid and thus connected to the story of Dulcie September. We call this episode Dangerous Goods. In the middle of the Atlantic, far off the coast of West Africa, a sailor is hanging off of the side of a ship. In his hand, he's holding a paintbrush. It might seem like a strange place to be painting a ship, but there is an explanation. The sailor isn't actually painting the entire ship, but merely painting over the letters, revealing it to be the Danish vessel Alice Trigon. Soon, the ship has another name. And as the sailor is hoisted up back onto the deck, one of his colleagues lowers its Danish flag and replaces that too. The Danish ship Alice Trigon has changed its course and is headed towards Cape Town. Except now the ship is neither Danish nor called Alice Trigon. If this seems like an unusual shipping practice to you, you're right. But there is an explanation. And it begins in Copenhagen, where I'm entering the headquarters of the Union 3F. I get the directions to the transport division of the Union, where I'm meeting a retired Union leader and sailor. My name is Henrik Berlow. I'm a seafarer, former seafarer, and I've been a chairman of the Danish Siemens Union. In the modern conference room where we meet, there's coffee and pastries on the table. And Henrik has brought a number of yellowing pamphlets, posters and pictures. This is a little uh, framed glass picture. On top of it, the headline is Durban Seamen's Welfare Committee. Warning to visiting seamen. Sexual intercourse between whites and non-whites is a serious criminal offense in South Africa and is punishable by up to five years imprisonment without the option of a fine. This is a notice that you said you've seen uh, before when visiting South Africa as a, as a seaman. How did you get to see those those posters? Well, they, they were they were put on board the vessels when the ship berthed there uh, by the welfare committee. So seafarers was warned uh, of the local uh, regimes, uh, rules and regulations. That's why seafarers who visited South Africa knew some of the consequences of apartheid, which was not really a general knowledge in the rest of, uh, of the world. So it, was, it turns out that it was regulating even the most intimate details of, of uh, people's uh, life. So, so seafarers you know, could visibly see what, what went on with apartheid. Both Henrik Berlau and I are Danish, just like the ship Alice Trigon, which name was changed in the middle of the Atlantic. You might also remember that several Danish ships appears in Dorsey September's notes on the illegal arms trade to South Africa. And according to Henrik Berlau, this is no coincidence. Well, Denmark has always been a seafaring uh, nation and not many families 
uh, don't have a seafarer in, in their midst. That's also why it has been important for Denmark to maintain that our shipping are uh, among the best in the world. We have strict regulations, strict uh, rules for, for safety, for ensuring seafarers. Uh, so it was obviously a good idea to look to Danish vessels to do these transportation. We used to say that the Danish flag was as as respected as a Red Cross flag when, when Danish ship was, was moving around the world. No one would suspect that we would be violating uh, international rules and regulation. But that was exactly what Danish ships were doing. The ship changing its name and nationality is only one example. Dossi's own handwritten notes made several references to Danish ships moving arms, for example, through the French port of Bordeaux. One of the big offenders was the shipping company Trigon, operating under the leadership of the owner, Anders Jensen. He was also a well-respected businessman who secretly was part of the network Dorsey was investigating. Another man profiting heavily from apartheid. But unlike the Belgium banker Andre Vlerik, whom we spoke about in the last episode, Anna Jensen's illegal arms transports were actually exposed while they were still ongoing. And it all began when crew members complained to their union about the working conditions on ships like Alice Trigon. Well, I got involved in it being approached by crew members of, of, a, of a ship who complained about the circumstances uh, on board the vessel. They couldn't send letters home. They couldn't make phone calls. They were requested by the master of the vessel to eradicate the name of the vessel, give it a new name. They were told that they shouldn't be open about where uh, their ships, uh, their ship went. So they were more or less, you know, saying, we don't think this is a fair way to treat us as, as seafarers. And I was asking them then, you know, where are you going? What is your cargo and stuff? And, and uh, became more and more aware that this company, which is named Trigon, was doing secret deliveries to South Africa with arms, which was from 1978 uh, a violation of Danish uh, legislation. It was also, of course, in violation of United Nations Security Council resolutions. The initial complaint by members of the Seafarers Union took on a life of its own as the union decided to investigate the claims further. It, it was a bit of a very different from the traditional trade union work of collective bargaining and working hours and stuff like that. You know, we had to send people to Talamone in Italy to disguise themselves as tourists and sit in a balcony and just watch what was going on there. We did it in Sebrug uh, in, 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 in Belgium. A colleague of mine pretended to be a fisherman for a week, you know, sitting on the rocks in the port with his uh, fishing gear. He had to do that because the port in, in, in Sibrusia is a private port, so it's, it's not an, you cannot enter it, you know. But a fisherman sitting on the rocks, you know, no, no one would pay attention to. The Seafarers Union connected with comrades all over the world, whose members looked out for the ships they described. And the union patiently gathered evidence in ports across the world. We went to the Canary Isles um, because all the the vessels which went to South Africa did call in in, uh, in Las Palmas there to for provision and fresh water. 
we had to go there to find evidence that the vessel has been there. And it was down to details like who paid for the provision. When, when that was, was clear that we, we did talk about the massive violation of, of, of our legislation, we also discovered that a number of other companies was involved in, in the same. And it turned out that I think at that time around 60 transportation taking place from different places in Europe. With clear evidence of a large-scale, illegal and secret arms-stealing operation, one would imagine that the police and the media would have been all over the Trigon Shipping Company and its owner, Anna Jensen. After all, the reputation of the important shipping industry was at stake. But initially, that didn't happen. Because the ship owner denied uh, that, that, that they were involved with this, and our police, unfortunately, was uh, so polite that they didn't ask them uh, until a fortnight later uh, if they were involved in, in, in this year. And it turned out that the, uh, the police who was in charge more or less preferred that there was a no case. How is it possible that the police would simply dismiss the evidence and take the shipping company's word that everything was above board? It may sound unlikely, but in the story of Dorsey's September, it's actually a pattern. For authorities and governments, it's been more convenient if investigations have gone nowhere, important people haven't been exposed as criminals, and freedom fighters have been kept quiet. In Denmark in the early 1980s, nothing more could have come of the story if the Seafarers Union hadn't found a very powerful ally. We made a, an agreement with the Danish national television broadcasts that they should try and look into this case. At the time, there was only the one TV channel in Denmark. And if the evening news covered a story, that was the agenda. The evidence was, was much clearer that, uh, that uh, the police have been misled or had no interest in investigation. Depends on, your, on how you view it. And even the convenient fairy tale of a very ethical merchant fleet wasn't enough to prevent a proper investigation this time. The ship owner Anders Jensen was actually arrested, but he was soon released again and, and his passport was given back to him. Uh, and as soon as that happened, he uh, flew from Denmark to Spain, where he picked up, I think it was around a million dollars, uh, and flew to South Africa, where he spent the rest of his life. So in spite of it all, the ship owner Anna Jensen managed to escape. He was well received in South Africa and he settled in Cape Town, in the wealthy suburb of Oranjesigt. And while this certainly bothered the union leader, him and his members went on to collaborate with anti-apartheid activists in and outside South Africa until the end of apartheid. And the efforts of the union were appreciated by the ANC and Henrik Berlau was invited to Nelson Mandela's inauguration in 1994. Your Royal Highness. You know, everyone was there. Distinguished guests, comrades and friends. And of course, all the head of state was you know, the, the prominent representative. We were more like in, in the back, uh, the activists of, of the ANC and the unions, which, which we uh, joined forces with them. That was a great moment probably one of the most important moments in my own life uh, to, to witness that. Let freedom reign. God bless Africa. I thank you. 
more than 15 years after the first seafarers complained to Henrik Berlau about having no access to phone calls and having to hang off the side of a ship and change its name in the middle of the Atlantic. The struggle that Henrik and his comrades had been supporting was won. But for Henrik Berlau, one thing was still missing. Anna Jensen, the ship owner who had emptied the shipping company's accounts and fled to South Africa, was still living very comfortably in Oranjesigt in Cape Town. Despite his activity, being responsible for, for so, so, so many killings, uh, um, he wasn't extradited. South Africa did not pay much attention, in my view, to find him. As I said, there was a, a formal request for his uh, extradition, but um, uh, that never materialized. Because it was not likely it was that hard to find. I know that the journalist from the local newspaper in Svendborg got in touch with him uh, and got an interview at some point. It, he was living completely openly in, in Cape Town. Why do you think that, that they never did anything about this? Well, the official response was that there was not an, an agreement between the two countries. And that we should be happy for that, because in that case, Denmark would have been forced to hand over exile ANC people when they were living in Denmark. Uh, that's not a very good explanation in my view, but uh, nevertheless, that was what, what, what was uh, given to us. And yes, you're right, he did live uh, a nice life in, in South Africa. He even received his pension from the Danish uh, state. He was a prominent member of the Danish uh, society in, 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 in Cape Town. He did try to come to Denmark, or, and he did have a, a, a case heard here uh, where he wanted to have a ruling that he could, he could arrive in Denmark without being arrested. But he lost that case, mostly because he had cheated his shareholders, not because he had... He have broken the, the uh, arms embargo. The next episode of They Killed Dulce is the final episode of the series so far. And here we're going to look at why criminals like Anna Jensen could be allowed to live in peace while Dulce's murder never was properly investigated in South Africa. You've been listening to They Killed Dulce a podcast series by Sound Africa and Open Secrets. To see what else we do and who supports our work, go to opensecrets.org.za or soundafrica.org. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.